0: Welcome back to the Tips for Lawyers podcast. Thought I'd make it sound there for a minute like we were just having an ad break, but of course this is a brand new episode. This is the Tips for Lawyers podcast episode number 54 and what I need you to do. Whether you do it right now if you're on the bus, whether you do it some other time, but if you could do it sooner rather than later, is I need you to go to iTunes, leave a review, say something nice. Hopefully it's going to be a five-star review if you're finding this podcast useful, because every review, every five-star rating on iTunes has a dramatic impact upon the visibility of this podcast upon other people getting able to access it, upon the lists that it finds its way to, and various other things that are important to me. I accept fully that they might be slightly less important to you, but I would really appreciate it. And I'm grateful for those of you who've taken a minute or so out of your day to do that. And if you could do it now, you can go to tipsforlawyers.com slash iTunes, and that will redirect you straight to the page where you can do those things. Or you can just dig it up out of the business careers section in iTunes and leave a review that way as well. So we are talking today about our Real Lawyers series. And the second in the Real Lawyers series, which is where we're up to, is on perfectionism. You might recall in the first one, and if you haven't listened to it, go head over there and have a listen to it after this, I talked about how Real Lawyers have integrity and how that was the building block really for all of the other matters that we're going to talk about in the Real Lawyers series. In the second one, I'm talking about perfectionism, and in particular, perfectionism perfectionism versus attention to detail. So, I know a number of people who are perfectionists, and because I know a lot of lawyers, some of them are lawyers too. And so what we need to be careful about is how we adopt our training and put it into practice in our legal careers. Because it would be very, very easy to become perfectionists, but at the same time, we need to have sufficient attention to detail and we need to have sufficient attention to what we're doing that we don't let things slip through the cracks. Because when you work in a field like I do, which is commercial litigation, you see all the times that things have slipped through the cracks. And it rarely goes well for anyone. So how do we juggle that delicate balance? Because at the wildly other end of the spectrum, uh, we have people who are so paralyzed by their need to chase down every single lead that they are unable to perform in a commercial environment because at the end of the day work needs to be done. That is the difficult balance that we have to do. So let's look back to how we became lawyers in the first place. So most people went to law school and at law school what you learned was to analyze things. That's essentially what law school taught you. It taught you to analyze things and it taught you that a certain amount of attention to detail was necessary in order to achieve a particular task. And the way you were marked was generally through your assignments and through your presentations and through your examination work, there would be a model answer to any given question. And that model answer would contain all of the necessary variables. And then for each of those variables that you didn't necessarily pick up on, you would lose a mark. Now, that system has taught you in one sense uh, that you need to be thorough and that you need to have attention to detail but over the years i suspect you will find that many law students for example stopped reading entire cases in preparation for their exams not all of them did but many law students started reading only the headnotes for their exams or a summary for their exams, and they realized that by and large, doing that was actually sufficient to give them sufficient information to answer the questions and do the tasks at hand. And so they adopted an approach that was perhaps slightly more pragmatic than it was perfectionist, but at the same time they achieved the necessary goal of answering the questions they needed to answer in their exam, and they managed to get through their degrees. And so what we find is that people adopt similar approaches in legal practice. Now, of course, at no point ever am I going to recommend that you take a half-baked approach to legal practice. You need to do your job properly, and you need to know what you're doing. But what I am talking about is, in a sense, analysis paralysis. It is where you've got that feeling that you haven't quite nailed the topic, and so you fluff around and you go around in circles and you chase down things and you make people do research and so you get another memo and then you get another piece of research and then you do some more research yourself and then you ask people questions and then you have a meeting then you write a letter and then you write the letter again and then you rephrase the letter and then you come up with a new issue and do some more research and so on. You need to be able to develop a system that is going to permit you to be thorough without necessarily allowing you to fall into the trap of perfectionism. So why is perfectionism actually a bad thing? Well, because we deliver a high quality product and because we charge a lot of money for the product we deliver, we need to ensure that it meets certain standards. And that's going to involve sending letters that don't have typos in them. That's going to involve giving correct legal advice. That's going to involve ensuring contracts are appropriately protective of our clients. And that's going to ensure that we tell people what the risks are of a certain course of conduct that they are proposing to engage in. Now, within the realm of that, there are ways of performing those tasks that amount to something closer to perfectionism and as a result are going to stifle your growth in your career. And there are also ways of doing it that allow you to do it in a way that will serve your client's needs and do your work diligently and properly without necessarily delving down that path of perfectionism. Because, and I'll take an example here of writing a letter. Now, some people are of the view that I make unnecessary changes to correspondence. Uh, I don't agree with them, but I give them uh, credit where credit's due for expressing that view from time to time. Have you ever seen someone write a letter and then change a sentence in the letter which in no way changes the meaning, but just uses different words, or reordering it for no apparent reason. Now, sometimes I'm going to do that, and I might have a reason, and other people might might not know what that reason is. But sometimes it's simply a case that the letter could have gone out, and that nothing has changed by virtue of that modification. In that case you're looking at an element of perfectionism because if the exact same thing is happening in both occasions, then you're really tending towards that perfectionist style of getting a letter out the door. Now, why is that a bad thing? Well, it's not necessarily a bad thing in all circumstances, but tell me this. What about the cost associated with that task? So a junior solicitor has prepared a letter. The letter is then rejigged by the partner in that way and then it goes back to the junior solicitor or to a secretary, it then gets changed, and it then goes back to the partner. Now, what if, in the process of it getting changed on that final occasion, the partner has to leave? And so the letter, in its modified form, in fact, cannot go out because the firm rules require it not to go out without a partner's signature, and therefore it has to wait till the next day. The next day, the partner has a series of meetings throughout the entire day and can only get to doing the mail at 4.30 in the afternoon, at which time he finally sends the letter out. Now, unbeknown to the partner, because the junior lawyer assumed the letter would go out, the client was in fact expecting that letter the day before. And so when he gets it uh, the next day, and it's had only a minor change, which has caused a 24-hour delay, and he calls up the junior solicitor to have a go at them for not delivering the letter on time, what is the junior solicitor to say? Furthermore, what are they to say when they are charged a couple of units of time for drafting the letter in the first place. The partner puts a unit of time for settling the letter, which he may or, may, he or she may or may not do, whether or not they've made any changes to it. And on that occasion, uh, the change made had no substantial impact upon the letter. And so what we have is a situation where there has been cost, there has been delay, and there has been no substantial benefit to the client. That is what I mean by perfectionism. That's perfectionism in practice. And so it's not necessarily the wrong thing to change the letter. Perhaps the partner had a style preference. For example, I always cross out the words, we note that wherever I find them, unless they are particularly necessary. And I've yet to find a circumstance where they are. Other people find that annoying. And sometimes I will not cross them out. If that is the only change I would otherwise have to a letter and the letter is otherwise ready to go, I might just grip my teeth and bear it because it's better that the letter go out and it won't cause unnecessary delay. And then all of you who listen to these podcasts and read anything I write can send me emails saying uh, Chris, our firm just got a letter from your firm and I noticed you signed it and had the words, we note that. And you've had massive, massive rants about that before. Are you a complete hypocrite? And I will say, no, I am not a complete hypocrite, but I am also not a perfectionist. And the letter was fine. So go about your business. And uh, that's roughly how that is going to go from time to time when I let those letters slip through the cracks. However, you can see the difference, can't you? Which is that the timing and the context make a huge difference to whether per- perfectionism is acceptable or not. What I have a tendency to find uh, is that people who work in certain areas have a tendency to adopt a great, greater scrutiny Of correspondence and documents. For example, in litigation, when documents are going in front of a judge, when documents are being sworn to in affidavits, when documents are being the subject of court pleadings or court submissions, uh, we have a tendency to be fairly scrupulous in our attention to detail for the reason that subtle changes in language can have a dramatic impact upon the outcome of a case. And of course, we all have experienced that as well. So we have a tendency to tend towards in our particular area, the more perfectionist approach. However, uh, in other areas, people are more focused on doing the jobs for their clients involving getting deals across the line, getting commercial terms agreed and things like that. And so their focus is also on ensuring that their client's risk is protected and that their client is appropriately advised. But They also don't necessarily have the same tight control over the styles of language they use because it's not really necessary 99% of the time in practice. Sure, they might for their contracts, but their modes of communication might be a bit different. They might communicate a little less formally, except in certain circumstances where notices are required to be given under particular methods. So you can see that the context of your practice is going to demand different approaches to take. And if you are getting Stuck in a particular area, I think there are some useful things you can ask yourself if you feel like you're spinning your wheels unnecessarily. And the first is, is what I'm doing necessary? I've seen matter after matter, in particular in litigation, but where people try and predict 15 steps ahead, uh, like a chess game. And it is sometimes a little bit like a chess game, but if you are spending huge amounts of time trying to consider the potential outcome of 14 different options that are going to occur in six to nine months time, and you haven't delivered on step one, then you're probably adopting the incorrect approach. And to me, that's akin to perfectionism as well. You're trying to paint the entire picture right from the start when you actually haven't got the idea for what you're going to paint in the first place. And instead, what you should really be doing is starting in the corner or deciding on what the background of your canvas needs to look like or deciding what colors you're going to look at or deciding what style you want to use, whether it's a landscape or a portrait or an abstract or whatever. These are the kinds of decisions you make at the start, but you don't necessarily put the finishing touches on things until the end. So is what you're doing necessary? or is it not? Now, sometimes, of course, you've been asked to do it and you don't have a lot of choice about it. I accept that. But in your brain, ask yourself, is what I am doing necessary? Second question is, does it change the substance of what I'm doing? And in particular, that's in letter writing, also in styles of communication. If you're doing research, is it actually going to change in any material way the outcome that you're looking forward to at the end of the particular matter? if the research is not going to impact upon anything material and it's taking more than a little time, then you need to really seriously consider whether you should be doing it at all or whether you should be having the relevant person do it at all. The third question to ask yourself is, does it help someone in some way? Now, one of the things I really don't like is the way many solicitors give advices to their clients, because I think they're cumbersome, I think they're tedious, I think they're too long-winded, and I think they're full of too much butt covering. And as a result, my personal style uh, is often to adopt a more succinct method of advising clients. And I do that because I believe that's more helpful for the client. Now, on the flip side, those lawyers who write 25-page letters Probably believe they're helping their client as well, but to me, cutting back on that letter is actually helping someone in some way. So it is a difference, again, in perspective, but ask yourself does it help someone in some way? Does doing this thing help the judge read the papers better? Does it help the judge understand things better? Does rephrasing this contractual clause help our client better? Does it bring clarity to what is being agreed or in some way assist the parties or our client? or for that matter, the other side. Does it help someone in some way is the third question that's worth asking. And the fourth question that's always worth asking is, is someone paying for this? And the answer to that is almost always yes in commercial practice. Someone is always paying for it, even if it's non-chargeable, then your firm is paying for it. And how would they feel if they knew precisely what you were doing at that moment that was costing them the amount of money that it's costing? Take, for example, my earlier letter-writing event where the junior lawyer drafted something and the senior lawyer amended it and then there was a 24 hour delay. So with the cost and the delay that was occasioned by that amendment, do you think the client, if that was explained to them in precisely the way I had explained it to you earlier, do you think the client would be happy about that? It's a worthwhile question. Now, sometimes the client isn't happy just because uh, they're having to pay you any money at all, but if the client knew specifically That that's what had cost $180. Then how do you think they would react to that? And that's always a worthwhile litmus test as well. So what are the four questions that I just ran through? Is what I'm doing necessary? Does it change the substance? Does it help someone in some way? And is someone paying for it? And if so, how would they feel if they knew exactly what you were doing? The self-evident answer to me is that real lawyers are not perfectionists. We have attention to detail. We produce high-quality work, but If you are being a perfectionist and it is costing someone money without achieving any pragmatic result, then you really need to consider whether what you're doing has any real impact at all, and whether you could be achieving more, whether you could be getting more out the door, whether you could be relating to your clients better, if perhaps you were to relax your vice-like grip on certain things. That's not saying you need to lose the quality of what you do, it's need to say that you need to think about how you go about doing your job well without getting caught by analysis paralysis. That is the end of this particular Real Lawyers episode on perfectionists. I hope you've enjoyed it. Like I said at the start, if you could head over to iTunes and leave a review, that would be great. And I will see you in the next episode.